0: Yeah.
1: I gotta let in a couple yes. people here. Got it. I think
0: you might be missing a, it's
1: a All right. Logan made it. Now the Logan's here, we can get started, right? Um, okay. Facebook is live. That's important. And um we are ready to roll.
0: Or almost.
1: Okay, so let me do one more thing here. Of course, this is technology, so it's always fun. Uh, One second, got it. Mm -hmm. What? Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they should. They should be about the same. They were all copied for the master copy. All right. So, good evening, everybody. Good to see you. Those are here, and those are not yet here. Um, The as always, we have to start off with a joke. Before we get to the joke, I have to get to something serious, and that is that I didn't have as much time to prepare tonight as I would have liked. So uh really, it's a thought, some some thoughts I wanted to impart. There is a text base to it, but it's not as much about the text as the ideas that I want to talk about. Uh, many times we we go through classes that are more um Jewish law-based. Sometimes you have classes that are based on there's different areas of the Torah, you know, exploring text. Um, And this is more exploring the mystical side of Judaism. Why it's important and uh, what it can do for you in your Jewish life and in your life in general. <clears throat> so they say that Hamlet, he went to the emergency room with a very bad cough and he says... TB or not TB? That is the question. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it was actually difficult looking for it to be or not to be jokes. I I, I recall so many of them, but I, I couldn't actually recall any. I had to, you know, really search for one. Um, yeah. The, the other joke is you have this picture of like this apartment building and you have like a one door that says to be, and the other one says not to be. <laughs> Anyways. Um, So why did I put this up? Because tonight's question is to know or to believe, and as I said in the class header, very often we have throughout the Jewish text. It will tell us uh, what's missing is belief in God. Then we have other texts that says you should know God, and um, so what is it? Do we have to know God? Do we have to believe in God? Is there a synergy between the two? And so that's what we're going to discuss. So we're going to start with, well, you know what, I'll start with the question if anybody has any thoughts about it, but we say belief in God all the time, but is belief in God a belief or is it a knowledge? Well, you know, let's, let's first define the word belief. So let's, let's Google the word belief. Uh, can we believe what Merriam-Webster says, but let's believe Merriam, and I always misspelled uh, belief, uh, Webster, belief, Merriam-Webster. So let's hear what Merriam-Webb starts to say. Belief is a state or habit of mind in which trust or confidence is placed in some person or thing. Which could be, as it says here, I believe in God, belief in democracy. I bought a table in belief that it was antique. It was an antique. So you basically have your mind is placing trust or confidence in a certain item or thing. Now, it's not saying whether that belief is rational or not right uh good evening good evening um so again that's one way of defining belief is saying it's it's a belief that a, a thing is a certain way and when you think about it um really anything that you think is a belief good evening amy any anything you think is a belief what do i mean by that um we make we make our beliefs based on certain data. However, as we know, data is never 100% conclusive. That's why everything says 99.9%. You buy a Lysol bottle, it says this kills 99.9% of germs. Well, we have a belief when we're gonna spray, it; it's gonna kill the germs. Of course, there's always an outlier. Something could happen, it may not. In a sense, one can make the argument that really everything is a belief. Some things are more of a belief than others, but ultimately, as Merriam-Webster points out, right? you believe this is NT. So you have data to go by that, you know, the seller says it's an antique. You brought an expert who looks at it and says, this looks like an antique. And so you're putting your belief and trust in these people, but it's still possible that uh, it's not an antique. Now, people who go through life without any belief, it's a very rough life actually, right? If you you go through life without any belief in anything, um, then you're never trusting, right? You have no trust. And anything everybody tells you, you're very suspect. And uh, it's a very difficult life to live. Just think you wouldn't be able to do anything. You would not be able to get into a car because you would not believe the automaker would make it safe. You would not uh, get into a roller coaster. You would not get into an airplane. So we we rely on belief to a certain extent. However, generally in life, again, this is the definition from Merriam-Webster, generally in life, um, actually here it gives another, Merriam-Webster has another way of putting it belief is something that is accepted considered to be true or holds an opinion something believed so it's accepted does it's a belief it's still called a belief we you cannot know something 100 percent in this world uh and i'm not just saying that uh, according to hume h-u-m-e david hume's theory of uncertainty we don't know anything for certain um that's not to say that you shouldn't uh, suppose that certain things are true, but we don't know anything for certain. I think quantum mechanics or physics, however they call it, has showed that actually what we believed for so long uh, was thrown in kind of a loop. So what I'm getting to here is I'm not trying to tell you that, oh, well, it's just, just believe in God because, uh, well, just like you believe anything else we'll believe in God, but all I'm trying to define is the word belief. And we have to realize that to an extent, we all carry beliefs with with us every single day. What are our beliefs based on? our best data, our best data tells us that uh, we will believe this to be true. I believe when I get into an elevator, it will go up. I believe when I get into an airplane, it will fly and uh, all those different types of things. The third uh, actually way that he puts it is in the Merriam-Webster conviction of the truth of some statement or reality of some being or phenomenon, especially when based on examination of evidence. So here you see, again, Merriam-Webster is even defining belief, even when it's something that's based on evidence, because, because of the evidence, you are convinced that this is a truth. But again, it still could be classified as a belief, because there is nothing that you can really know 100%. Anybody has any thoughts or comments? Just an interesting way of looking at belief, by looking at the dictionary.
2: This uh, reminds me of today's listening if you later
1: Tanya listening the Tanya. hmm yeah. yeah. Yeah,
2: the Tanya today was talking about the circumcision of the heart. Yeah. It was talking about how do we really know what we believe? Why do we pray aloud? It such a along
1: the lines Long lines How how do we know how do we know what we believe, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so all this will lead us into an interesting discussion today: belief or knowledge of God. And But again, this is all the technicality of the word belief. However, practically in life, we typically associate belief with a belief not based on any empirical evidence, right? So let's say I believe in my children, right? I have faith, I have trust, I have belief. There's no data yet to say that they will be successful, but I believe in them, right? Uh, A belief, some people will say belief in God, or belief in religion, um, which we can get into a little bit, you know, soon but people will say those are beliefs. They're not based on heavy data. And that's generally how we define belief. All I was saying a moment ago is that even when you have data, technically you can still define it as a belief because even with data, nothing is ever hundred percent. There was once a, a rabbi, uh, his name was Rabbi Shochit. He was once giving a sermon on this very topic. And he tells the story. He was giving a sermon in a, in, a, in a big hall. And he says, you know, you're all sitting here in this room. You have a certain belief that this ceiling is not gonna cave in. You're trusting in all the engineers. And he says, three hours after he finished his speech, the ceiling of the roof caved in. And then everybody says, Rabbi, you're pulling off a trick. You must have put dynamite in it or something. No, it's just, it just happened to be, you know, every once in a while these things happen, you know, but we, we, we can't, it's hard for us to go in life without this faith and belief uh, in these things because it would be a very difficult life. Uh, back to our religious topic over here. We have different texts in the Torah, some of them tell us to believe in God. And some of them tell us to know God, which we would think would be two different things. So let's go take a look here. Yes, yeah, so let's take a look. Uh, this is uh, it's a different book, but yeah. Okay, it says, here we have one verse from Deuteronomy. It says, And you shall know today, and You shall take to your heart that Hashem is the God in the heaven above and the earth. Below there is none else. And uh, here he asks a question. There's another verse. Earlier, before that says you should know God, but let me scroll down to the other verse. Um, actually, um, no, no, okay. Um, so that is a verse that speaks about belief. Now we all know that there's so many verses in the Torah that speak about, um, that speak about knowledge of God, right? So, for example, you have, um, you know. All that you're missing is a belief in God. Yan, la, and be, you know, because you didn't believe in me. So many, so many verses that talk about belief. So what would you say? Is our belief in God a belief or is it a knowledge? Do we know God or do we believe in God?
2: Okay, so based on what I, what I read in the alphabet today, English, yeah. there's two levels, right? So, so essentially they're both true at the same time, but there's different levels you believe God only without the knowledge of God, if you still have the that we flip over your heart, if you haven't had this position in the heart, which is your responsibility to, you know, break through the, the material world and come to know God, especially, you know, the Shekinah of God.
1: So you're saying until you have refined yourself, you, you're stuck at belief, but once you I, refine yourself, you can get they, to the knowledge. You can get to the knowledge. Okay. Okay. We will... touch upon that also yes um but let me start at a more at a more basic level that that will be the second stage but in the first stage uh good evening shelly you made it you made it in you're all good yeah 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 it's trouble okay for some reason my zoom meetings don't don't agree with everybody they they they, the uh, meeting idea has some issues um okay so at a more basic level We'll go with the story. Before I gave this, uh, when I sent out the name of the class, Jacob um, sent me a text. Are you going to tell the story? I said, yeah, I'll tell the story. He actually asked me, I'm going to start with the story. I said, no, I have to start with a joke. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell the story. So the story goes like this. There was a rabbi called Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev. I mentioned him on Shabbos. And he was from the city of <laughs> Berdichev. Right, very <laughs> good. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev from the city of Berdichev. And um, he grew up in a time where Hasidism, Hasidic philosophy, was just starting. For those who don't know what Hasidic philosophy is, Hasidic philosophy, we can say, started with the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, a great rabbi about 300 years ago, which uh, gave a focus on the mystical areas of the Torah, even for uh, the simple people, they can have a, a, you know a connection with the mystical meanings of the Torah. So Rabbi Levi Yitzchik of got involved in hasidic philosophy and his father-in-law was not into that you know his father-in-law was into you know what do you mean well, why do you need to get into all this mysticism isn't it good enough to just you know you study the torah you study the bible you do the commandments and you're good you know that's that's what it means to be a good Jew. why do you need to study all this other stuff that's what
2: they told development anyways
1: yeah that's what they told him too so Rabbi Levi so of went went out of town to study by the great Magad of Mezritch. He came back home, and his father-in-law asked him, "Tell me, you spent a couple months by this great rabbi, this great mystical rabbi. What did you learn?" He says, "What did I learn? I learned that there's a God." So the father-in-law is like eye popping, like that's what you learned. You learned that there's a God, a religious guy. So he calls over the had in their house, a housekeeper. A Jewish housekeeper and he calls her and he says uh, Bluma or whatever her name was Bluma tell me do you believe that there's a God she says yes of course I believe there's a God I grew up believing there's a God and he turns to son-in-law Rabbi Levi and says you see she didn't go to measure it. she didn't go study the mysticism she believes in, in a God why, why did you need to go anywhere and he answers her she believes there's a God but I know that there's a God I'll say that again she believes that there's a God I know there's a God what does that mean it means that um yes we can go through life with a very basic um connection to god you grow up as a child your parents tell you there's a god and so you believe in god and you live your life like that very basic and simple maybe that worked by the way in the stethel i don't know how well that that type of uh simple faith works today certain um personalities it'll work for yes but on a whole um, our belief and faith and connection to God has to develop over time. As we get older and as we get wiser and smarter, um, we have to upgrade our belief in God. That's why you have so many people who like, uh, you know, they call God the old man in the sky or like God is going to send lightning bolts after you. You know, maybe they were taught something in Hebrew school or something and they refuse to upgrade their belief in God. I was, I was uh, reading actually a story. There's a Chabad rabbi, Rabbi Dov, you a corn. He's in Bowery in Manhattan. A fascinating life story how you know he was searching for meaning in life and he went literally everywhere and um like and he just was against exploring judaism because he thought he knew it all you know he went to hebrew school as a kid and he got bar mitzvah and he felt it had no meaning in life and, and somehow eventually um what was the story i don't remember he walked into his uncle somehow convinced him to go into chabad and uh, somehow he got he got he got hooked in, and now he's a chabad rabbi running large organizations. But the idea is that sometimes we have these uh, beliefs and ideas, and uh, we really need to upgrade them. You know, we grow up with a certain idea about God, and this is really the differentiation uh, between knowing God and believing in God. And a deeper level, in a deeper level, there are aspects of God that we can know. And there are aspects of God that we can believe. And I'll say that again. There are aspects of God that we can know, and there are aspects of God that we can believe. And if we use belief where we can use knowledge, then we're being lazy. Again, if we're using belief where we can be using knowledge, we're being lazy. Belief is supposed to be used for areas where knowledge cannot get us there. So, what do I mean? What I mean is, the belief that there is a God, the belief that there's a creator of the world, one can reach to that conclusion without any religion. Aristotle reached it through philosophy. There are scientists that reach it through science. Of course, there are scientists that decide not to believe in it, but there are ways to reach the knowledge, the belief that there is a God without any religion, without any dogma, without any uh, books of the Torah. The idea that there's divine design that there is a God that is something that one can reach to um regardless, however, the ability uh to uh know certain things about God is based on our belief so and you know things that we're let's say told in the Torah, things that the Torah tells us, huh the some of the commandments, but I'm talking specifically about God himself, okay, so let's give an example that there is a God. I can say one can see from the world itself, right? Even though we, we nobody has ever seen God, well, actually they have Moses, the prophet saw God and the Jewish people saw God at Mount Sinai, but generally most of us haven't seen God, right? How um, can we come to belief in God? I'm sure many of you have books in your house and belief in God and things, but you know, a very simple idea is... Um, One can start, you start with the world. You say, you know, all this stuff is here and how did it come to be? And there's all these different debates. And of course, you know, there's obviously the debate of evolution and and I'm not gonna go down that rabbit hole very long. I think I spent a lot of time on Friday night recently about that, right? I think two weeks ago, I spent a lot of time on that. Um, There are many, many um, books and, and studies we can do about it. One of my favorites is a book called God, Rationality and Mysticism by Professor Block. Where he basically, uh, he was a a professor of philosophy in uh, London, Ontario, where he basically points out that it's more rational to believe in God than not. Again, going back to really any knowledge, any knowledge is really based on what is the more likely scenario. One can never prove anything 100%. That's why I went back, that's why I brought the Merriam Webster. But he, he pointed out that it's more rational to believe in God than to believe in the other um options Great. of how the world came to be it takes
2: more faith not to believe
1: than. yeah in a sense in a sense yes it takes more faith not to believe people don't realize that in a sense it takes a lot more faith not to believe in god than it does to believe in god but this is where people get confused there's the belief that there is a god and then there's the religious aspects um where we need faith so certain things that we are told about god come to us by faith. The Torah tells it to us and we have to believe it about God. Now, even there, I could spend a lot of time discussing how, why the Torah, the belief in the Torah is based on knowledge, not on not faith alone, um, based on the many witnesses of Mount Sinai. And again, I guess you can't get everything in one class. Um, but let's say the belief that God um, exists beyond time. Okay, The belief that Past, present, and future by God is all the same. That is not necessarily, you cannot, I don't think you can reach that conclusion based on philosophy alone. I don't think you can reach that conclusion based on um, any study of this world. That would be a belief that we have, you know, based on the scriptures that we're told. Those are beliefs that we have about God. And so what I'm getting to is we have to allow our knowledge to take us to a certain point and then allow our faith to take us to the next step and that's why the verses have these different things there has to be a belief in god and there has to be a knowledge of god that's one reason you need both faith and knowledge of god and you don't have to use faith for everything it would be like overusing tylenol when all you need to do is sleep right i don't know if it's a bad example or not it's far-fetched but right, if you're overusing something, you don't need to use faith for everything, right, and, and, and for some people, if they over, some people, if they overuse faith, it gets a little um, difficult, however, the flip side of that is our starting point is belief, what I mean by that is that we believe what we're told, and then we try and understand, that's what the Jewish people said at Mount Sinai, na'asevenishma, We will do, and then we will hear. We will do what God asks of us to do. And then we will hear, we will listen, uh, and we will try to understand what it is that you're trying to tell me. So, first comes the faith and the belief in God, and then you try and understand. I think a good example of this is um, I think in a lot of areas where you don't have the time to explore it right away. Let's say you're taking a medication. The doctor tells you to take the medication. Let's say it's a car, the the mechanic says, you know, you need to do this, otherwise your car is going to blow up. Uh, The the problem is, people aren't trusting mechanics, people aren't trusting a doctor. So these are not great examples anymore, but once upon a time they were. Uh, You can choose to fix the car and then understand it later, right? But if sometimes if you wait till you fully understand it, you know, so you go back to medical school and and examine exactly how this medication works, uh, by that time you may be dead, right? So we don't always have the opportunity of spending the time and understanding everything. Sometimes we have to do things based on faith. But where we can and where we have the time, God tells us, via Hayom, you shall know today. you shall place it to your heart. We have to spend that time to get to know God, not just to believe, but to know. Now, why does God want us to know God? Why does God want us to spend time? Shouldn't God be happy enough with our belief and faith in Him? why does God want us to study him and get to know him in rational ways on top of our belief it's
2: That's question the essence of our mission here, right you to- well our
1: mission is is wouldn't you think our mission is to do what God wants God just need, wants us to do to study the Bible and do the mitzvahs uh, uh, you know listen to him why does God care that we spend time getting
2: to know him any any thoughts well, he, he wants a real personal relationship
1: with us ah very good because god wants a relationship with us people get very often confused and just believe that god has just a mission for us in other words what is a mission a mission would mean um, i need uh, i need food from uh from walmart And uh, so I'm going to fill out my app and the groceries are gonna come and therefore that's a mission. I just need to get those groceries to my house and whichever driver is gonna do it for me, I'm happy, right? So then it's done. However, when you ask your child to set up the dining room table, it's not just a mission that you want to get accomplished. There's also a relationship dynamic that's going on. And in fact, if the parent is missing the relationship dynamic, that causes problems when the child doesn't do it. And if the parent forgets that there's a, there's a deeper thing than just a mission, you're you're really trying to create a relationship and elevate your child and teach them independence. Um, And if, when they don't do things, you just blow up at them and and you lose that, that bond and connection with them, uh, then you've kind of lost what you're trying to do. So in these commandments that God gives us uh, very often, it's very easy to just look at the Torah and say, well, God just, you know, has certain things that he wants to get done. God has, Certain ideas and items that he wants uh us that that he needs done. And uh we're we're unfortunately the ones stuck with it, right? We the Jews, we're the ones that are stuck with it, and if we don't do it, we get punished. If we do it, we get rewarded. But in truth, I think the fact that we Jews are stuck with this mission actually tells you that there's a, a relationship element to it. The fact that God doesn't say Well, you know, if the Jews aren't doing it, let me find somebody else. No, God says, I'm not going to do it, despite what possibly some other religions may say. Uh, God is not ever going to give up. uh, Well, actually, God, in Judaism, by the way, everybody has a mission, Jews and non-Jews alike. But we as Jews have a very specific mission, the 613 commandments. And God says, I'm never going to switch you for anybody else. I'm not going to uh, allow someone else to do it. It's only for you. Why? If it's just about getting the commandments done, let someone else do it, because there's a deep, deeper dynamic. There's a relationship. Yes. examples
0: that's given for that.
1: Yes, there's a uh, the um yeah, slightly different topic. Yeah, there, there's an example given of uh, penicillin, which is um right. You know, it's just a general question. You know, if these mitzvahs are really good, then why? Why shouldn't anybody do it? Why do you have to be Jewish? And so one of the answers is, you know, it's like certain medications. Certain medications will be great for somebody who's sick and terrible for somebody who's healthy or the same medication for two people are sick, but for some people it'll be really good and other people have a a deathly, you know, horrible reaction to. Um, So God knows us. God created us in a certain way and he has an intimate knowledge of who we are and, and our mission in life. And so we as Jewish people gave us a special mission, just as if you are a parent and you know your child's strengths and weaknesses and um, you know what is their best serve for and their mission in life. You're not going to try to force uh, all your kids to do piano lessons if one of them is not cut out for it. Now, now, if that's just with a parent that didn't create the child, just knows the child's strengths, how much more so God knows who is uh, set aside for what uh, commandments and who is not? Anyways, back, back to the original idea is um, this is why it's important that we get a knowledge of God. Knowledge of God allows us to not just be simple soldiers and just accept everything on faith, which we should do, because we will never be God, and so God's knowledge will always be greater than ours, and so we should never assume that I know better than God. But yet at the same time, we want to develop a relationship because it's not just about listening to every single thing that he says, but there is a relationship dynamic that we want to create over here. And the relationship dynamic is chiefly expressed when it comes to prayer, which I'll discuss momentarily. But yes, what do you want to say? I might be
0: treading on that. Okay, go for it. Is it not discussed that about filling certain mitzvahs or when it comes to like to philos, about if you don't do it with Kavana, then you don't really actually feel the mitzvah in many senses because you don't have the understanding or you don't have
1: the, the intent for meaning behind it. Um that most mitzvahs do not require uh feeling, they're not required, however, they are important. Um again, I I I think really a great example is is with your children. Um or anybody or any actually dynamic of relationship where somebody is doing something for you, you can have the action done for you and the action will be done. But if there's no feeling in it, that relationship is fractured. And uh, to a certain extent, you'll feel kind of empty about that action that was done. That action will be almost an empty action. it will be almost like a dead action. Right? So, you know, if you have a spouses and one of them, you know, begrudgingly does something with a, with a, with a frown and complaining, um, but doing exactly what you wanted, right? But that will feel like a very empty gesture. So the gesture will be done, uh, but it will be empty. It says the same thing is about deeds that are done without feeling, without any feeling towards God. So you do that mitzvah, the action has been done, but it says without any feeling, it says it's like a bird without wings. It's like a bird without wings. So you have a bird, the bird is there, has no wings, it can't fly up. You do a mitzvah, without any feeling then it doesn't fly to god so to speak it's there it exists it doesn't fly to god that's one of my other favorite stories is uh the Baal tempted one time walked into a uh, temple into a uh, study hall and he says oh my gosh i can't i can't even get in this house is so full of prayer and good deeds and they thought he was giving them a compliment but in truth he explained afterwards and he says, no there's so many dry actions and prayers being done here this, it's full of good deeds because it's not flying to heaven; it's all stuck here in this room. So, where did yeah, we get to today? Really
2: doesn't go up. Huh? I believe the spiritual really doesn't go
1: up. Yeah, doesn't 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 go up. Like I said, and I I think my physical example is really good. You know, the the action is done, but the the, the connection is not made. And really, a mitzvah is really about connection. Their connection points to God. uh They're creating all these connection points to God, and through the mitzvah, lights up the world, creates all these connections in the world to God. That connection is very sorely lacking um i think the difference though is that if you didn't do the action at all um it's much easier to fix it later than if sorry if you did the action but it was an empty action it's a lot easier to fix it and then if you didn't do the action right so let's say uh, you know again the the spouses that are arguing and you know they're not doing anything for each other at, at any point at all and then they go into therapy it's a lot i think it's a lot longer of a road than if they reconcile and they were both doing these things all along and then suddenly all those actions that were done you regain feeling to an extent kind of retro retrospectively huh
2: you give it even if you feel
1: regretting all the myths all the mitzvahs you should do even if you're not feeling them right now as my example earlier so i've gone to a lot of things let me recap because it i've spoken a lot of things so let's recap so you have something clarified in your mind we started off discussing Belief in faith, and I pointed out that truthfully, any knowledge that you have is to an extent a belief. Some beliefs are more gr- grounded in data than others, but ultimately, anything is a belief. But practically in life, we typically say things that have more data to it, more pointers to say this is the truth. We usually will call that more knowledge. Some people might call it fact, however, you want to call it. So, God tells us in the Torah, we need to both know Him and believe in Him. We wanted to know why, shouldn't God? be happy enough with belief and the answer is that um god wants us to uh, have a knowledge of him to the to the extent that we can possible to get to the greatest point of knowledge that we can and i explained you know what does it mean to know god and uh, based on going back to our marion webster um idea before uh, you know, like I said, I believe it's more rational to believe that there's a God. And there are many aspects of God that we can know through the world. As somebody once said, you can't see God, but you can see his works, right? Uh, nobody has ever seen uh, Leonardo da Vinci, right? Or have that, well, people did many years ago. But uh, people see his works. Through his works, you can know somewhat about that person, right? Uh, you, some people are, are great building architects. They can walk into a building and say, wow, and, you know, they can tell so much about the architect based on seeing what's in the building um a a great example is we can understand let's say an example about god we can know that god appreciates beauty by the fact that he puts beauty in this earth right Uh, the beauty of the sunrise and all those things he appreciates uh, beauty colors um knowledge something god appreciates that's the highest thing in this world so there's there's a lot of different things we can know about god but there are certain things that come on faith and god wants us to have both knowledge and faith First of all, you want to have faith because that's what you can always fall back on. As King Solomon says, educate a child according to their path because even when they get old, they will not stray from it. So there's a general idea to have faith. Faith is something you can always fall back on. But ultimately, God wants that relationship. And the relationship and that loving relationship with God comes mostly through knowledge. Mostly through the knowledge of God and getting to know God. Um...
0: But how do we, how do we
2: um, further
1: our feelings towards God, All right? So we said the reason to know God is to enhance our feelings. How do we further our feelings towards God? So one way to f- further enhance our feelings towards God is obviously actions. As odd as that sounds, doing things for someone else can add to your connections and feelings. So any mitzvah that you do will connect you with God, of course, and, will, and can actually further your feelings, just as any relationship when you do actions and behaviors of, of connection that adds to your feeling. But there's one specific mitzvah that is all about gaining feeling towards God, and that is the mitzvah of prayer. Prayer is not re- really even technically a mitzvah. There's not really a mitzvah to pray every single day. The mitzvah is actually only when you need something, you should turn to God. Um, However, prayer is really what enhances and elevates all of our other religious um, actions that we do. And, And I'm saying this because A lot of times people get bored with prayer. It's the same prayers. It's the joke I said the other week, right? This guy comes to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, I'm not coming to synagogue anymore. You're always singing the same thing. So the rabbi says, yeah, well, you only come for Kol Nidre. Of course, it's the same thing, right? So uh, we can get bored of the prayers. And um, the truth is that a prayer should be the uh, fuel to our entire religious experience. That's what prayer is meant to be. Prayer is meant to be the fuel to our entire religious experience. Tefila. The word tefila also comes from tofu, which means connection. Prayer is supposed to be a connection between us and God. Through prayer, we allow ourselves times a time to contemplate about God. Right. Let's put it this way: um, when your children are just doing things for you. They don't necessarily have to think about you, right? But when you spend the quality time with them, that's when you're really building the relationship. The quality time you spend with them, you sit down with them, you talk to them, you read to them a book, whatever. You're spending quality time. When we're busy just doing actions for God, so let's say we're busy cleaning the house for Pesach or we're busy, um, again, take any relationship. If if spouses don't go on dates, they're just always doing things for others. So technically there's no issues in the marriage, but there's also no bond in that marriage. There's no connection going on over there or there is a connection, but it's it's very, anybody who's married knows that if you don't you know, sp- ever spend time together and just life is running, 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 and uh, it could take a toll on the relationship. Same with children. If you don't take, you know, if somebody goes to work every day and so they're taking care of their kids and their kids know, oh, yeah, daddy takes care of me and he gets the money or mom, she goes to work, makes the money and um, you know, gets, gets what I need and uh, pays for us to go to camp. But if there's no, um, time spent together, these are the kids that are going to be spending a lot of money in therapy years later. So you're going to have to, uh, spend a lot. Right. Huh? Yeah. Right. Isn't there, there's a, uh, that's another one of my favorite stories is, uh, you know, there's three kids, this, uh, sorry, there's three gra- three bubbies sitting in Florida, each one posting about their kid and uh, so the first one says ah my son you wouldn't believe such a good son ah he bought me this beautiful rolls royce amazing the other the other uh the other bubby says ah you wouldn't believe my son my chachkala even better he's into real estate he got me a learjet and the third one says ah both of you are nothing my son he thinks about me all the time in fact he paid for himself a therapist and all he talks is about me, right? So that's the, <laughs> that's the joke they say. Um, so, you know, if you're missing the connection, uh, it's going to be empty. And I think sometimes, you know, we have that this can happen particularly in a very religious upbringing, but it can also happen in a very not religious upbringing. Also, I see it happening in both, you know, in the religious upbringing, sometimes, you know, the parents are always getting the kids to do this and do that action, wash your hands and uh, study this and do that. And um, it becomes a very dry Judaism, lots of actions. Or conversely, sometimes very not religious families, but very traditional also have the same problem where the kids are doing certain actions. You know, now you got to fast because it's Yom Kippur. Now, you know, today you got to eat matzah and, you know, certain actions, but they if, if it wasn't they never got that connection and bond to god they again feel like all these empty actions and the an the antidote to all this is really prayer but unfortunately prayer is another thing that people look at very boring right because you can come to synagogue it can look very boring whether it's an orthodox conservative or reform uh service uh either one of them if you're not accustomed to it uh can be long can be a lack of in know anyone you really need to um prayer requires work does it's not spontaneous really is the idea any type of prayer to god is not spontaneous this is really the difference between any other relationship that we've been talking about till now and god in the relation with a spouse it's pretty easy set a date you sit down you talk god is invisible okay automatically the emotions and the feelings and the connection towards god are going to be much more difficult and this is actually ties into a topic we spoke about a couple of weeks ago. That is why over time, the prayer service has gotten longer. It, it's a, it says that, you know, back in the days when prayer was first written by the men of great assembly, prayer was much shorter. Why is prayer so much longer nowadays is because as we get less spiritually sensitized, that ability to connect with God through prayer becomes that much harder. And so we actually need to spend more time on it. So when people want to know why the prayer is so long, that's because it takes so long to feel that connection to God. It doesn't. It's not spontaneous. It's not easy. It's not quick. And, and, and
2: If I wait too long between uh, prayer and Minka, I feel it. I feel
1: like. If I, you wait too long between prayers. Between pray, so I, that's another. So that, that's the next step, which, which I'll get to in a moment. That's already uh, what prayer does. First, I'm saying a proper prayer takes effort, which we real can
2: just. Yeah,
1: prayer. it's called. It's called actually. Um, the Torah calls it Avdo to serve God with all your heart. And the sages say, What does it mean to serve God with all your heart? How do you serve God with your heart? Right? I can serve with my hands. How do I serve somebody with my heart? And it says, That is the service of the heart, which is prayer. Prayer is the service of the heart. So you may all be looking at me and saying, Rabbi, so you're telling me prayer is this great experiential moment where I'm going to gain my relationship with God that's going to add knowledge of God and going to add feeling and, and infuse my, my, my actions and my mitzvahs so now I suddenly to eat matzah with love because I've been praying but I don't see it in the prayer book. It's the same prayer book every single day and it's so long and that's a good question. We'll have to address that. But for now, you have to accept on faith so far. Accept <laughs> <laughs> on faith so far. I will have to demonstrate how but you have to accept on faith so far that prayer is really that time So far, hopefully you understand at least that you need the time in the day to create that bond and connection with God, to create that relationship. And it's not something that could be spontaneous like other relationships because God is not visible with a physical eye. So something that requires time. Now, just to address what you were saying, you were saying when you go from one prayer to the next and you you have too much time, you, you, you feel, I guess, it's petering off. Um... There's actually a description towards that. It says that prayer, when you walk out of prayer, if you pray the correct way and you built up that feeling towards God and that connection, it's like a, a flaming fire. Anybody went camping, you make a big bonfire, but then as the night goes, it slowly dies down. And so that's why we have the other prayers. So in the morning we make this big bonfire, and then you come by Mincha, come by the afternoon prayers and you stoke it again and you add a couple logs. And then you come by MAR of the evening prayers and you you, you let it go again until so you go to sleep. It can go out, you know, while you're sleeping. But that's the idea. That's why there's the, all these prayers during the day. The first one is one to really get you going, get you started. And then you have the smaller ones to keep that flame going to last you till the end of the day. That's why there's three prayers a day to get us um, going in all, these different, in all these different areas. That was just was a, a little bit of a side point, but just a, a technicality to explain why one may feel um, after a while that uh, the prayer starts to fade out. And that, and that makes sense um so to recap we st- we started off and i always like to recap recap is always important because it helps to remember So to recap we started off discussing tb or not to be no uh to know or to believe how um judaism some places in the torah tells us to know god some places it tells us to believe in god we discussed Uh, what it means, what what belief really is, according to Merriam-Webster, at least, which is an interesting discussion in itself. But we ended off saying that, uh, truthfully, um, however you want to define it, uh, God wants us to have both a belief in him, uh, because, first of all, that's a good way to start. And uh, there are certain things that are beyond knowledge, but he wants us to gain knowledge wherever we can of him, to study him, and uh, to allow that relationship to blossom. And that's why knowledge is required. And when do we spend time doing this is around prayer. And in fact, in Hasidic groups, sorry, because prayer is that time dedicated and set aside to uh, work on that relationship because other times we're, we're doing things for God, we're busy doing, we're not busy having, so to speak, those date nights. That's what prayer is, it's that date time with God and spending time talking to God and creating that connection. And this is why, in uh, Hasidism, we actually spend time, before we pray, studying about God. Maimonides writes, um, and he says like this, he says that the Torah commands us that we have to love and fear God. Right? It says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. It's a commandment. You should love somebody. Now, he asked the question, he says, You cannot command somebody to love something, right? I can make you do something, but how can I make you feel something? Right? So when the Torah says you should love God or you should fear God, or you should have awe of God, how can that be a commandment? In other words, how can God give a commandment on something that you cannot do? Right? It's interesting, even in parenting. Um, listening to some parenting class like you can't like force your kids to love each other, you can make them treat each other with respect. You can't force them to love each other. Hopefully that comes over time. If they're fighting, usually it does. But you can't force them to love each other. So how can God come to us and tell us, you shall love the Lord your God? Well, I don't. What am I going to do now? I can uh, do all the mitzvahs. doesn't mean I love God, right? So Maimonides answers. It does not. Obviously, the Torah cannot command you to love God. But what it can command you to do is to think in ways that will hopefully awaken love of god so again we cannot command you to feel a certain way but we can command you to think certain things that hopefully will elicit a love towards god the key to the heart is the mind the way to reach to the heart is through the mind the mind is what gives our heart its feelings the knowledge that's in our mind gives our heart the feelings so for example somebody who does not know about chocolate or possibly has never tasted chocolate will have no desire for chocolate, right? What makes us desire things is our mind and our knowledge about the beauty of those items, okay? The mind is the key to the heart. So in this case, if we want to elicit feelings of love towards God, what type of thoughts could we think that would allow us to come to feelings of love towards God. Any thoughts? Any thoughts? What type of thoughts could you start to think? By the way, they do this in therapy sessions with people too. Like if people are having relationship issues, you know, telling me to you know, think you make a gratitude list or you know, life issues, you know, and look at your gratitude list. This is not uh just a religious dogma over here. This is just a verifiable fact. If you want to elicit emotions, if you want to start. Uh, thinking certain ways so what are thoughts that one can use to um i think we spoke about this a little bit in our meditation course but what are thoughts that one can use to elicit a feeling towards god any thoughts then i'll shout out at once
0: i think the meditation course didn't it use like the modani or like the morning there's,
1: there's many many meditations later. i'm a, i'm asking i'm a, yeah yeah we use many gratitude okay so gratitude get more specific uh, I believe the more specific you are in your gratitude, for example, that's one example, the greater feelings you'll have. Some people are more emotional in general, by the way, just so you know, some people have a temperament, like you meet people like, wow, they love God so much. How I wish I could do that. Right. Well, just some people have a temperament that they are just more emotional people, but you know, gratitude is a good one. Um, using blessings. Um, so these are all correct. What I want to get to is biggest thing for me is forgiveness. Forgiveness. You mean the fact that God forgives you? Yeah. Yeah, It's another one. So these are all true. So we got gratitude, blessings, forgiveness. That's a meditation I've spoken about. The fact that God forgives us for all our sins. How uh, much more so, you know, we should love him back for letting us slide when we don't let other people slide. Right? Right? We're not like that. Um, so I guess my, my question, the, the point though that I would say is... These are all true, but since we're talking about God who's invisible, and these are concepts, you have to deeply think about it, right? And the more time you spend on it, the more it will um, elicit within you those feelings.
2: Yeah, I just see it completely really different. I don't think love, the, this commandment of love has anything to do with the emotional side of things. It's an action-driven uh commandment. To love so is a verb. This love that we're referring to is not a, a, a sentimental, you know, even mm-hmm. though this is a to love God means to love another Jew. There's a holy spark of God in the Jew. and by loving that that Jew, you're loving God himself and That's what Ramban was saying, I think it was yesterday right? um, nah, there is a measure
1: of My, Maimonides is pretty clear. He asked the question, Heiachia, Derechias, uh, put the words, he says, What is the path to love God? And then he says, To contemplate it by God. The idea actually is that once you love God, then that will lead to action. That's really the idea, or, or one of the ideas. Love leads to action. If you truly love God, then you do things for Him. If you truly love somebody else, you, you'll do actions that will um, Start with the action, express your you love. Or you could do both. Or you could do both. Uh, that's what that, that goes back to what we originally started with. You have to have faith, so you should never not do the action. But ideally, things should start with your feeling. Won't always because we'll never. We won't always be in that state. Um. My. The more uh, detailed, uh, the greater it is. So we can actually look in prayer and see some of the themes within prayer. That's you know we have. And forgiveness. Right. The more you think about the greatness of God in the world, and you look at um, you know, there's different different parts of the prayer. Some parts of the prayer focus on uh all the different things that God created in this world, how wonderful this world is. One can even think of lines like Bata Machaiatul, and the fact that God gives us life, which I think is, is gratitude, um, just by spending the moment and saying, Wow, you know, I woke up, God allowed me to wake up. You gave me the ability to, to stand up today. You gave me the breath. Um, those are all things that that can awaken and elicit love within ourselves. But again, we need to spend the time thinking about it. Yes, what do you want to say?
0: Just interesting thought though, because in some of like, for instance, if you take the, the Shemona Eskrat, and some of those, the things that we are thanking, being grateful for, et cetera, they haven't yet come to fruition though.
1: Okay, the the Amida, you're talking about the silent devotional prayer. Um, most of the prayers in the middle of that are actually requests.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it's it, it, the interesting thing in uh, prayer, structure of prayer, which we can't go through all now either. Like I said, you can't cover everything at once. But in the structure of prayer, the actual requests of God are very small. It's really just in the Amida. Uh, so most of the Amida is actually requests of God, but the rest of it uh i don't think we're thanking things thanking god for things that haven't happened we're actually asking for those things to happen
0: yeah but. yeah
1: we're asking him uh do i think the only thing that we uh maybe point out god's greatness is that god will one day revive the dead
0: that's the one i was thinking of, but yeah. that's
1: speaking about god's greatness yeah well i guess you know if you believe god will revive the dead as we do it is god's greatness although he, he did revive the dead by giving it to our mount sinai right so okay. he's done it. Elijah, through Elijah, he did it. Through least he did it. Um, on the yeah, all right. But then there's a, a deeper way of thinking about God. So there are um contemplations and thoughts that we can have about God that are relegated to this world. In other words, relegated to knowledge. Let's put it that way. There, there, there are beliefs about there are. There's a way that we get to knowing about God, and this is based on our knowledge of the world. So whether it's gratitude, you know, I feel that without God I wouldn't be alive. Uh, whether it's all the blessings that God has done for us, the Jewish people, which is another theme in the prayer. But then there are sections in the in the um, prayers which are focused on things that are otherworldly. We have a focus on angels, focus on the sun. We have so to speak, the prayer goes from starting at a very low level, well, not low, but speaking in very humanistic terms, speaking in terms of uh, easy, relatable concepts, and it slowly transitions to less relatable concepts. And that's because we always have to remember that uh, we cannot limit God. God is much greater than uh, just being the creator of this world. Than just being the creator of this world god is uh infinite and um means much more than just what he does here why is that important because otherwise you're limiting god and who he is uh I'd like to give an example is um, you know let's say kids in a class may only appreciate let's say their teacher for what they are as their teacher in their class. A child may only appreciate their parent as somebody who brings them food, right? So a baby, a little baby might appreciate that their parent is the one that nurtures them and takes care of them. Uh, as they get older, they understand that their parents are much greater than just you know than just people who can nurture them and, and give them food. Um, so in a sense, we in this world have a very limited vision of God. We're very limited to seeing his full greatness because we see him through the prism of this world. Remember, as I said earlier, There's a way we can get to knowledge of God. Well, the knowledge of God, not through faith, but through simple knowledge, is limited to things that are related to this world. Right? Because we can only know about God from this world, what this world has. But that is limiting God. You know, one of the cool things about space exploration, I think, you know, for example, space exploration, I think, really gives us an idea of of the vastness and the breadth of God, just how vast the universe is and all the different things that are in this world. it, it, it it's, it's expanded our mind to really appreciate the creator even more to, to see how much he's created in this world and all different things that are there. And God is even greater than all that. God is even greater than the entire universe they're going to discover. That's just a blip in uh, who God is, so to speak, right? So... And that, that creates, uh, so to speak, a level of awe towards God. So we're talking about awe. There's love, and then there's the awe. That creates an awe. Um, you know, people talk about fear of God, but really, I think we, we need to work on feelings of awe of God. That's just one way to enhance a feeling of awe of God. Awe of God means, wow, God is so great, and nevertheless, he cares about me. I wouldn't want to disappoint him, right?
0: The word awesome has really been abused word awesome has that's, been abused Yeah, it doesn't have any meaning when you, when you think of it in like colloquial
1: text oh, why because people like use it in social media because oh that's awesome
0: it's like, a, it's like a surfer dude term now oh mm. that's awesome
1: man Instead that's of awesome awe-inspiring. right inspiring right it's a stand of awe-inspiring yeah it's uh hashtag god is awesome right <laughs> look at these waves god created hashtag awesome right you know <laughs> um yeah god truthfully you're right it, it's awe-inspiring anybody who goes out to a sunset on the beaches over here i mean that should be inspiring you know instead of just a caption awesome so just on you know talking about creating feelings of 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 fear of god we want to get away from the fear and fear of punishment and really feelings of awe of god and we recognize just how great god is and how much he cares for me i brought the example many times is uh, you know if there's somebody really that you you know greatly respect you have awe maybe it's your favorite president, maybe it's your favorite singer, maybe it's your favorite uh, rabbi, I don't know, anyways, uh, I'm kidding. Um and, and then this person asks you to do something. And now, you, you know, there's, a, there's uh, you don't wanna, you don't wanna, uh, you, you feel in awe of them, you don't wanna let them down, you know? So it's not a feeling of, you know, that's, that's not necessarily a feeling of love, it's a feeling of awe, you are in awe of them, because that you don't want to let them down that's really the ultimate level of fear of god that we want to have is a feeling of awe having appreciation for his awesomeness and so why am i not going to eat bread on passover because i'm in awe of god this great great god that's vaster than the universe uh nevertheless comes to me and says hey you boy you girl i want you not to eat bread on passover wow ah you know i don't want to let that, i don't want to let that great God down so this is, is this love. is just an example that
2: is love
1: it's also love and awe can be intertwined yes but
0: Perhaps but we can
1: true. have another course on love and awe yeah but let me just finish the point so what I'm trying to say is that this is these are just examples of where enhancing that relationship enhances the misses that we do the connections that we do those commandments that we have and so this is what prayer is about prayer is about spending that time and in some ways to enhance prayer one may want to meditate before you even pray and allow yourselves to uh, have an appreciation for God because, unfortunately, prayer can also be very dry. And um, I actually want to explore prayer to an extent. I actually have here a whole book. This is just on parts of the prayer from The Morning Blessing, just for like the first 10 pages, a whole book. Uh, I didn't even explore the the beginning. This Is very fascinating. I mean, I, I only quoted a little bit in this book, but um, really showing you how prayer can be this wonderful experience. Uh, Because for so many of us, myself included, for some years, um, prayer can become dry. I I recall uh when I was a young kid, obviously you're just you know, look at it like this. You you know, you're a young kid, you're learning how to read Hebrew. It's exciting when you're doing the prayer as well. It's like just the just the uh difficulty of learning the mastering the words, right? And suddenly you master all the worlds, words. Then you're like, oh boy, now what? Right? So I remember I was like 13, 14. I'm like, now I can, you know, read the prayers, zoom through them, as you may hear me here in synagogue, right? I can read them really quick now, right? I'm like, whoa, but, you know, what's the meaning in that? And then I started to learn uh, the meaning of it. You know, then I uh, started to, you know, studying the English side and, and learning the meaning of the prayers. But then I got to an age, you know, after, you know, four or five years where I, where I know all the meaning of all the prayers, all the Hebrew, I know what it means. But then I'm like, now that I knew what it means. Now I'm like, well, actually, what, what the heck does it mean, right? Because actually, once you read the prayers in English many, many times, suddenly you're like, well, what is this actually saying, right? So then I, you know, I got different, you know, books of prayer that helped me understand the meaning of the prayers. So these are just examples where I'm just trying to get, present to you how prayer uh, could be a meaningful experience, and it could be very monotonous and boring. Uh, it all really depends on the effort you put into, it and it requires yeah. effort. And uh, no matter what I do here and what songs we sing. Uh, everybody's going to have to put in their own effort uh, into prayer um, because prayer is your personal experience with God. It's your personal moment with God, your personal relationship. And I can't do that for you. There, you know, there's, there's a moment and God wants us to pray with the community uh, when we can um, but ultimately prayer is about creating those relationships, starting back with the knowledge. God wants us to know him and think about him and contemplate about him and create those that relationship with him and give us that fire that you spoke about earlier, that fire and that feeling that can carry us throughout the day to make, when we do a mitzvah, to make it feel meaningful. We, uh, we you know, eat matzah, when we uh, celebrate Rosh Hashanah, it can get, prayer can be the conduit for um, all these great feelings that will enhance all of our, uh, all of our um, religious lives. Yes, what was your question? Not relevant. Not relevant anymore. Okay. Um, I want to end up with a story. So there's a lot that we can learn and, and we can spend, uh, I don't know if we're going to do this next week So I have no idea. I, like I, I said, I came here tonight. I just wanted to present one idea tonight. Uh, this just general idea of studying about God um, and why it's important. Um, I do one day want to actually discuss why studying mysticism is important too. I find that's also an important topic. Uh, but maybe that will tie into prayer. Why, why do we need to study the mystical aspects of God in order to really pray? But um, again, we can't get everything at once. Let me just tell a story of uh, the Maggid of Mezrich. So The Maggid of Mezrich was the second Hasidic Rebbe. And um, he had a... Well, this story is going to... Present to you this idea of why it's not enough to just know, well, you know, I love God because of gratitude, or I love God because of uh, forgiveness, or I love God because of creation. I love God. But you actually have to spend time on it. And, and this story really expresses the idea why. Because it's not enough to know, but you have to really know. It's not enough to just know in your mind, you have to really know. So the story of the Magna Meserich, and I think I've said it many times, gotta, yeah, you got, you got to make the knowledge. To make a connection, what in Hebrew is called Das. But so the story goes like this: the Magadhes, um, he had a contemporary, uh and uh they were once study partners, and then as they went their respective lives, the Magad of Mesut became a uh Rebbe, Hasidic Rebbe, and his study partner became a um his study partner became a, um, uh, business person. Okay. So what happened was, um, one time the business person came to visit the market in and he saw him that he was praying, he was praying a lot, praying, 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 praying all day. So he asked him, he says, why are you praying so long? You know, I know the meaning of the prayers, you know, the meaning of the prayers. We study together. What's the difference? so he answered him he says listen he says you know you have a business somewhere right you're part of your business is you have to go travel to faraway town pick up the goods bring it back he says why spend a couple of days traveling there and going and picking it up and bring it back just close your eyes imagine in your mind that uh you actually went there and you picked up the goods and you brought it back you do what you do in five days an hour he says fool you know i didn't realize you're botlan. you know studying torah all day he says you can't just Uh, imagine you have to actually go you have to actually be there you have to actually go to the marketplace to get the goods because that's the same idea he says in prayer he says you you know you know all the ideas but if you're just some faraway thought i'm actually experiencing it i'm actually going and feeling those feelings towards god yeah we study the same thing we studied those same ideas but to me it's not just a, a knowledge but it's a um it's an experience, it's an experience, it so we, so we need to, we need to contemplate and think in a way that these ideas become knowledge, that's where we started with, not just have a belief in God, but create this knowledge, and knowledge means the connection between the mind and the heart, and uh in a way that we create those feelings towards God, and create that relationship that we are craving, and God is craving, and so um maybe we all do that very successfully, so maybe we will explore prayer more, maybe we won't, but Even if I don't, now, you know, you got to pray. So you got to buy yourself some books on prayer. What can I say? Um, I'm going to stop the, uh, stop the Facebook.